Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. RB1, a fantasy football podcast starring not your humble host, Pete McRogers, who's out this week crying into his lager with the loss of the Boston Red Sox to my Houston Astros. Today we're joined with a, a new duo of Fake Teams writers from over at faketeams.com. We've got Heath and we've got Haji. How's it going, fellas? Good, good. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, glad to be here. Looking forward to talking about week five. Yeah, doing doing fine, doing fine. Excellent. Well, glad we got the technology worked out. Yeah, had some struggles, and we've got a, a new squad here. So, bear with us, and please make sure you send in all of your comments and all of your hate mail to at Peter McRogers. On- <laughs> We're gonna give it the old college try here. It was a uh, brutal week. For you Giants fans, I think every wide receiver that the Giants have went down with injury, and they all went down with an ankle injury, so I think there's definitely a conspiracy afoot. But what uh, is really going to impact everybody, or at least every league, for everyone that's listening to this podcast, is OBJ going down out for the year. Absolutely brutal, guys. You know, First of all, OBJ, I hope you get healthy, and you know, I want you to have a long and illustrious career in the NFL. But most importantly, our fantasy seasons are in the balance here. Gentlemen, uh, any of you have OBJ in any of your leagues? I don't, actually. Um, I did not invest in him at all this year. Um, whether it was because of where I picked or in an auction draft, I just uh, wasn't going to pay the price tag on him. I'm actually similar. I don't, it wasn't, wasn't a big loss for me league wide. Um, and then like overall, I'm, I'm mainly gravitating towards the daily side anyway. So definitely still in a couple of hometown leagues and some, some local leagues. So, but I actually traded OBJ in a, in a dynasty format a couple of years ago for, for Jared McKinnon. It's the worst trade I ever, I ever did. So <laughs> Well, who's I'm just, now? Yeah, I'm just, I mean, yeah, my, my guy's still standing, but uh, yeah, worst, worst trade ever. It was his very first season, so it's like, you know, hot hand and Peterson. I can't remember if he was injured or if he had, if that was when he got suspended. I can't remember, but it was like, all right, spark freak, Jarrett McKinnon, a la what we saw with Aaron Jones this week. Mm-hmm. And I just took a chance. I took a chance on him, and it was obviously the worst thing ever. So, yeah, I like it. If you can't admit to a bad fantasy football trade that you've ever made, you either haven't been playing long enough, or you're. Long so. <laughs> I mean, it was it was rookie season. It's like, it's like this guy. There's no way he stays healthy. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I can't believe I just brought that up in public. We, we may have forgotten that 
OBJ did not hit the ground running and absolutely blow up the league. He got off to a slow start. But anyway, enough waxing poetic about OBJ. Guys, any other injuries yeah. that you want to talk about before we get into the pot here? Uh, I don't – my – I actually haven't even looked yet. Do you guys have an update on if there's anything going on with Jordy Nelson after missing the, uh, missing the crucial drive by the Packers this weekend? I like to look at injuries as though what I state on this podcast and how I feel about the injuries is going to have some significant impact to the injury. And since I own Jordy Nelson all over the place, Jordy Nelson is nice. We are just waiting for the injury report to come out. He's fine. Jordy Nelson is fine. Haji, you got any updates other than that? No, actually, uh, the report I saw um, actually said the injury is undisclosed. So I, it could be anything, but... Um, He'll probably come out as questionable for week six, but um, I'm sure as long as he practices late in the week, he'll be he'll be good to go. Yeah, undisclosed, actually an old Swedish word that means everything's going to be fine. So with that perfect transition into the, into the week five games here, Heath, you're first up. You've got Green Bay at Dallas. Tell us what stood out to you this week. Uh, what stood out is I stacked it everywhere in daily fantasy and still somehow managed to not – win tons of money, which is really impressive. <laughs> but most of that was being super heavy on uh, on Jordy. And uh, I had I had a couple of Devontae shares. And uh, I don't know, I just I didn't get the I didn't get the right guys around around the stack. I mean, I don't, I'm not a I'm not a high volume player. So I probably had maybe 12 or 15 lineups, but it was I mean, it was like 70% Dak and then uh, some A-Rod. So that's my big takeaway. My other takeaway is I hope Jordy is fine. And uh, the running back situation in Green Bay is going to be interesting when Ty Montgomery comes back because Aaron Jones looks like the real deal. So I'm kind of – I'm torn on it. I don't time in a couple of leagues, and then I actually I blew my entire Scott Fishbowl budget on Aaron Jones because I was so weak at running backs. So I'm like, just give me this, this art freak. There I go again, because years ago it was Jarek McKinnon. And this and I didn't like I didn't I didn't really need anything else. I, I had the whole budget. I'm like, I'm just gonna make sure I get the guy that might wind up being Aaron Rodgers running back. So I'm, I'm kind of torn. I don't know how it's gonna play out. I think you have to hold both of those guys right now and just see how it goes. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh Jones looked good. A serviceable running back in that offense with Aaron Rodgers chucking the ball around just has to hit the hole right and has to be fast. He showed that he could catch the ball. Um, really quite the conundrum for Ty Montgomery here. That I think better for sure. But uh, Jones showed that he's no slouch. So the, the question on my mind is whether or not when Ty Montgomery comes back, if it's one of those horrible three-headed monster rotations that we see and uh, we all love so much as fantasy owners, or does it go right back to Ty Montgomery, who has to be one of the toughest SOBs in the world playing through a rib injury and now you see why maybe knowing that Aaron Jones had some skills uh any takeaways from the Dallas side or anything else that you want to add there Haji um on the Dallas side I mean I I think we we kind of touched on this uh before we started to air the podcast but um it's really easy to cheer for Dak Prescott I think um he definitely has come into his own in the league 
Um, he, he looks like he's much more than a serviceable quarterback. I think, um, fantasy wise, you know, he put up the three first half touchdowns and I believe I saw a stat that it was the first time, um, he had back-to-back games of three touchdowns or more, uh, passing. So, you know, maybe he's really putting something together. I think that, uh, the schedule will open up for him down the road with the NFC East, not being as difficult as it could be with, uh, the Giants starting 0 and 5. So Dak Prescott may be a, a guy that uh, goes from kind of shallow league waiver wire or, or bench material to uh, an easy QB top 12 that, that you're starting in a 12-man league on a weekly basis. I know uh, this past week I actually made the smart decision to start him over Stafford because Stafford just hasn't been there. Um, the, the numbers aren't there, and uh, the Lions just – don't play 60 minutes the way that they finally got got it going in the fourth quarter this last week. So um, I think Dak was the right right choice there, and I think he'll be good moving forward too, and that can only help um, Zeke Elliott as well. Yeah, like that. I think uh, it, it's funny how it works out as Matt Stafford kind of takes a step back and becomes not really fantasy startable. We have a guy like Dak come through and show that it wasn't just a fluke when he was a rookie. He actually, he can ball a little bit. He started throwing it more to Dez, which I think is a good recipe for any young quarterback. And I think they're going to grow the passing game to help Zeke Elliott and to help them become a more balanced team. So really good game. My my favorite thing about this game was uh, early in the first quarter, I forget exactly the scenario and situation, but I'm going to ramble on about it anyway. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got sacked by somebody on Dallas who uh, had apparently never done anything good in football is just hooting and hollering and celebrating like it was the first time they'd ever seen the sunlight before. And Aaron Rodgers just looked at him kind of like that older brother after the little brother hits you in the back of the head once just like, all right, I'm going to remember that this happened. We're just going to, we're going to store this away in the old memory banks and we're going to remember that this happened come fourth quarter. Lo and behold, Dallas scores to go up late with a minute left, and everybody in the stadium knows that the Cowboys left too much time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, marches the Packers downfield. It makes my weekend great. Any weekend that I can watch the Cowboys lose, being a Cowboys hater here in Austin is a good weekend for me. Well, they they threw that they threw that fade on second and goal, and they've been running it down their throats. Like, dude, it's not it's not some crappy quarterback on the other side. Like, Run the ball. <laughs> it's too just too early. It's too early for the fade. Oh, take off however many more seconds, and I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah. But I mean, I, I'm with you. When Troy Aikman is in the booth calling out that it's a bad move, he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's doing it, especially when it's the Cowboys. You know. That that's well, I love. I love. Uh, I, fi- I like. Uh, I like following a lot, of, a lot of the Yahoo guys. I like I like Pianowski quite a bit, and he always has this good dialogue with uh, Michael Salfino, who writes for the Wall Street Journal. And they were they're just having this dialogue about like what thinking about it from the perspective of the other team. Like, what do they not want you to do? And uh, just like like they don't want you to run it. They don't want you to take the time off the clock. They want you to throw it there and give Aaron Rodgers more time. And it, you know just like man you've been cramming it down their throat for like an eight minute drive like just do it one more time but i don't know hindsight 
Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to go from one of the best games of the weekend to what must have been one of the worst games of the weekend. We're going down to Indy. Haji's got the next one. San Francisco against the Colts. What's your takeaway from this one? Sure, yeah. Um, Indianapolis, 26. San Francisco, 23. Um, you know, you, you looked at it before the game started, and you thought, well, this probably isn't going to be much of a game. Who, who really cares? But uh, it turned out to be one of the more exciting games as it went into uh, it went into overtime, but um, the quarterbacks actually put on a show in the second half. It was six, uh, six at, at halftime and it ended up 26, 23. Um, one question I did want to want to ask you guys about it. Do you think Frank Gore is a hall of famer? I think with the length of time that he's been doing it, yes. He's certainly in the twilight of his career, and he's not looking great on, keep in mind, what looks like an awful Indianapolis Colts team, the only little ray of sunshine other than Frank Gore, is Jacoby Brissett looks like he's going to get a job somewhere, and of course, T.Y. Hilton's a stud. Marlon Mack. Yeah, Mack, Mack did have a great game. Well, let's hear about that. So I didn't get to watch a bunch of the game. What impressed you about Mack this weekend? Well, he was just able to provide that spark. Um, I think he was averaging about 10 yards a carry, which was a lot better than, than Gore's three. Um, Mac just kind of provided that um, second-half offense that the Colts needed to put the 49ers away, whether it was through the air or um, whether it was finding the hole and, and really running through. Um, I, I would agree with you guys on uh, Brissett, I think whether he's the backup of the future in Indy or if he gets a chance somewhere else to really shine. Um, I think he's doing all he can right now in the time before luck comes back to uh, really make that happen for himself. I think that um, so far through week five, the Colts definitely got the better of the trade um, between um, Brissett and uh, who's the wide receiver they, they traded. Oh no, one of us has to know this. Is it Dorset? Oh no, what's yeah, Philip Dorset. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um so on the other side though, um good and the bad, I guess. Uh Brian Hoyer threw for a ton of yards. Um he was able to keep pace with Brissett and keep the 49ers offense in it. Um had a great uh fourth quarter and um made some excellent throws. Um he finally realized that Marquise Goodwin was on his team and all he had to do was throw it deep and, and one of the fastest guys in the NFL could run under it and get it. Um, the bad for the 49ers though was um, possibly the end of the Carlos Hyde era in San Francisco. Uh, it seemed that Kyle Shanahan has turned to taking his own five team to not only ride the hot hand, but also make way for the young players. Um, Brita wasn't great, but he did average nearly five yards a carry, whereas Hyde had 11 yards on eight carries, I believe. And uh, there's a big difference there um, when you need that run game to open up Hoyer throwing it deep. So um, I, I just think that this was a game between two teams that probably aren't very good, and um, they match up well because of their their offense is similar. They, they struggle to run the ball. They have quarterbacks who can throw a decent deep ball. And the defenses really aren't great, but they're serviceable. So 
Um, we saw a, a game basically of, of two teams that matched up well, and it went into overtime because of it. Yeah, ended up getting yeah. this weekend. Uh, last week, I recommended everyone sit Andy Dalton, who finished as, I think, like quarterback number five or six, uh, to start Brian Hoyer, who, thank God, <laughs> finished as quarterback two or three. I was watching that one all day because I value the bad advice that I give out to everyone. That Marlon Mack, like, I don't, I don't know how he's not getting every carry inside the 20s with his speed. Like, Frank Gore is a super stud. Like, plug him in at the goal line, but I want, I want the spark, especially for an 0 to 5 team. And there's a few teams in that spot, like them. Obviously, the Giants are 0 and 5, and they just lost Odell. And, uh, Who's a uh, 05 San Fran Giants and the Browns? Seems like the Browns are always mm-hmm. 05. But with, yeah. those, with those with those teams, like be some evaluating of the youth. Like what what reason do the Colts have to give Frank Gore carries? And same deal with Hyde. Like you know, like we love Hyde for fake football, but they don't give a rip about fantasy football, and they want to know what they have in in Brita. So, like, the daily fantasy player in me is like, okay, Carlos Hyde is going to be an epic tournament play for the rest of the season. But it's rolling the dice every week. So, for his fantasy stock, I think it's it's just taking quite a shot. And the flip side, on, the other, on for the other team, like, you got to stash Marlon Mack everywhere, I think. Yeah, I like it. Some good options for folks that are struggling at running back, which is most people who are playing fantasy football this year. So this week on the waiver wire, you may not want to blow your whole fab on it, but Matt Breida, Marlon Mack, there's some guys that are probably going to get some playing time later in the year for two teams that are that are not very good. Uh, we're going to move on to another not especially great game. This weekend we had uh, Pittsburgh heading out to Jacksonville. Steelers taking on the Jaguars. Uh my big takeaway from this is everybody except for Big Ben that you're starting this week for these teams look pretty good. Antonio Brown, you know, he threw a hissy fit the other week, uh, throwing Gatorade balls around, being just exactly what we've come to expect out of wide receivers from five years ago. I'm glad that narrative went away. Uh, so you knew he was going to get the ball early and often, and he did. And he 22 targets if you, count, if you count the picks. So, like, that is insane. Clearly went into the game with a game plan, uh, started early. I remember watching the games, uh, the first slate. I saw Ben Roethlisberger, one for two, 49 yards. Antonio Brown, one reception, 49 yards. And I knew that, that that's what you do when you're a diva wide receiver, who is one of the, if not the best, one of the best wide receivers in the game, says he wants the ball. Uh, I, I could not believe this score. I knew what the score was when I went back to watch the game, and it looked like Pittsburgh was hanging in there. Most of the day, Roethlisberger ended up throwing five picks, which, I mean, I don't know if he's, like, spent the summer hanging out with Eli Manning or what, but it was hard to see him throw those five picks. You know, a couple of them were on tip balls, but then a couple of them were just really bad decisions. Um, So I don't think Ben is done, and I feel like if somebody's panicking or dropped Ben Roethlisberger, you should absolutely go and pick him up. Maybe not start him next week, but he's not done, guys. He's still good. He threw the ball all around 
Huntley yard. Le'Veon Bell got his. Antonio Brown got his. Leonard Fournette looked like an absolute stud again. And mind he Fournette looked like a stud before he broke that 90-yard run on, like, third and two with no time left in the fourth quarter. So he had a legit day before he got the extra 90 yards. Uh, yes. Oh, go ahead. Did you guys see? You see the play where he's waving. He's waving the defender. Like, come, come get some. Come, come hit. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Probably my favorite play of the weekend. <laughs> Fournette's coming around the edge. He's got it. There's no one there. It's him against the safety. And Leonard Fournette literally waves to the safety. It's like bringing all the. I'm gonna meet you at the flagpole after school. And we're going to settle this like some men. And that safety was up to the task, too. That was a violent, good football. He was he was up to the task, but he gained like 12 or 13 yards. And the safety gets up and he celebrates. Like, dude, he just ran for 13 yards. Cool. Good job. Made a tackle. Whatever. It's like you don't, you don't celebrate when the guy gains 13 yards. Like, yay, I wasn't afraid to hit you. Congratulations. That's the, uh, that's the modern NFL there. Um, I get it. But, I don't like it, but I get it. Great game. I don't, I don't. I'm not as worried about the Steelers as some folks might be. I have no idea what to do with the Jaguars. I've watched them play a lot this year, and they are a complete Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team. They looked absolutely horrible, and they look like they're absolutely going to dominate the AFC South. And you just have no idea what you're going to get each week. I think if you get on top of them and you force them to throw, that's the trick because their defense can stop you. If you get one dimensional and if you have to pass, because Ramsey is just, we are watching the development of an absolute stud in the secondary with a bunch of linebackers that like to fly around for Jacksonville. Um, but man, they've also looked terrible this weekend. Haji, you get a chance? Yeah, I did, and uh, I would agree with with Ramsey. I mean, he played some some great defense. I, you can kind of go both ways. You, you know, it's uh the matchup with Brown, obviously giving up 10 catches in coverage to Antonio Brown is, is something that you can say, well, he didn't have a great game, but you look at the past defense, you look at that interception he had in the first quarter. I mean, that was just an excellent play by a phenomenal athlete. And um, I mean, he, he was able to have solid coverage. I think uh, Tayshawn Gibson had two picks as well. Um, When you can man up on one side and you allow the, the safeties to just kind of ball hawk like that. That's how you're going to end up with games where the opposing quarterback throws five picks because of, of how your corners play on the outside. Yeah. Really impressive work from the Jaguars. Heath last thoughts from you before we move on to your Arizona Philly game. On, uh, on that game, just, I would love to hear something from the Steelers sometime this week on the game plan, even though we're probably not going to get it. But when you, you throw the ball that many times and you don't commit to the run against that team when the clear weakness is stopping the running game and the clear strength is the guys on the boundaries. And let's, let's throw the ball 11 billion times. I don't know the actual number, but it like, it just, it seems, I don't, it seems arrogant or irresponsible and it, and it's coming from like, I'm a, I'm not obviously not a professional coach, but I have, I have spent the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, and it's not football. I coach soccer, but still, like you, you don't, you don't go directly to the other team's strength. It just, it's very frustrating. As a, I'm not even a Steelers fan, but it's like, just in general, like give give Le'Veon Bell the ball, and let's yep. see if we can attack their weakness and stay away from 
from Ramsey and even uh, is it Bouye? How do you pronounce his name? I think it's Boye, but I'm not going to. Yeah, like, Boye. Boye. So you can beat him a little bit with speed, but like those two guys are studs. Like, you know, and it, I don't know. It's just it's frustrating to me when it there's a clear matchup advantage. Like Le'Veon Bell, you could argue even if it's a phenomenal run defense, he's still he's still probably going to be the best way to attack it. But I'm I don't know. It was it was frustrating to me. I'm glad I'm not a Steelers fan. Yeah, and Bell looked good early, so I think your your point is well made. So we had uh, an absolute shellacking. Talking about DFS, this is why I finally made a profit this weekend is because I had Miami everywhere and I happened to have Carson Wentz everywhere. Not I had Miami too. Just woke up and found out that that was what happened. So walk us through this one. Uh, Heath, what stood out to you? I don't – what honestly stood out is I did not get to watch this game. So that's, that's what honestly stood out. Um, what has stood out all year is that Carson Wentz is the man. And it – like – the dude, at least for fantasy purposes, I am obviously not an NFL scout. Carson Wentz is top 10 quarterback, easy, like, and probably top eight. I haven't, I haven't looked, but, but I'll, I'll do it in a second while somebody else is talking. But that guy, um, I, I can't, I cut two or three brand name quarterbacks this week just to get Wentz in my lineup. Um, he just, he's been doing it all year. So we, we knew that Alshon would, would probably draw the toughest matchup. So I rolled the dice on Torrey Smith in, uh, in DFS. Won, won a few dollars there. Um, so I, I hear you on this game. I had no uh, – I figured he was the, the big guy over uh, Aguilar who, was a little, who felt a little safer to me. But, you know, Aguilar too, 93 yards and a touchdown. So he just – like the – I love Wentz and then – you guys know we, we split up our rankings every week and tight ends is my thing. And uh, Zach Ertz. What website? Do we... Just here, here at Fake Teams, just us us, uh, us splitting up our rankings. Faketeams.com. Faketeams.com. Yeah, my bad. I didn't know we were advertising. Yeah. So um, my deal for, I think I can't remember if the second or third year. My memory is terrible. I know it's, I still think it's my third year doing tight ends, but it, what you love about Ertz is he's getting like wide receiver one volume and it so much of the tight end position is depending on like, who's going to score a touchdown. Like what's their, what's their touchdown equity. And uh, with Ertz, it's, it's both like, you know, he's, he's, he's getting even, even this Arizona historically very good against tight ends and he's still coming away with 60 yards and a touchdown. So he just, you have to start him every week, even in a bad matchup. I think I ranked him, I like aggressively ranked him down and I still had him as like the number six overall tight end, which I haven't, I didn't look to see where he finished, but he's gotta be, he's gotta be close to top five. So I love, I love Ertz's volume this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, anytime you have a tight end who's on pace for not just a hundred cut a hundred targets, but a hundred catches through five weeks, you know, he's getting good volume. And especially on a team like Philly, where it's just a, a toss-up on which receiver is going to get the volume that week, um, Wentz and Ertz are the uh, the guys to go with in that offense. And for Arizona, I mean, I, I don't know. Anytime he, your opposing quarterback has more touchdowns and incompletions in the first quarter, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, the 
Eagles just absolutely got on top of the Cardinals way too early. This game was over before it started. It looked like the Cardinals were attempting to show some life and come back later in the game, but they just couldn't get it going. Uh, Wentz hit so many deep balls so early that it was 21 points for the Eagles before you knew what had happened. Uh, everybody, uh-huh. including myself, who, again, accidentally started once everywhere in Daily Fantasy, was really excited to see that little speech bubble way to the far of the right on my little DraftKings app. So that was really nice. Uh, the big surprise for me and the big takeaway here for me is that I have a really hard time admitting that Zach Ertz is really good. But he's got the he is the apple of Carson Wentz's eye. He's hauling in the targets that he gets, and he looks good. He's putting up yards. He's getting looks in the red zone. He's the number two tight end behind Gronk in points per game. And that, I mean, and Gronk missed a game. So right now you'd rather have Zert, uh, Zach Ertz, I think, especially with Gronk battling through some injuries. So Arizona just could not do enough to keep Carson Palmer upright. They looked disjointed and they looked like they were missing the best running back in the league all game. <laughs> and they're gonna look like that for a long time. So I am hitting the panic button with Arizona. I have no idea what to do with anyone on their team other than to attempt to trade them or leave them on my bench or just. I would, I would totally try to trade Fitzgerald right now, especially you consider his age and, and the past couple of years watching him tail off at the end of the season. You know, it's early right now, but it, the longer we go in the brutal NFL, I mean, if I could trade him for anything, what I felt was equitable or fill a need somewhere, I think I would definitely do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if you throw in Fitzgerald as the kind of sweetener to get the deal over the edge, I think that that's a good play. Because not that I think Larry Fitzgerald is washed up or that he's not good at football anymore, but the Cardinals are just, I think they're in for a rough year. You're not going to get what we hoped out of them. It's been five games now. They're not a functionally good offense and I don't think they're going to be so bail. Uh, One guy that uh, I, I still do like in the Arizona offense. I know, I know Heath doesn't like the PPR leagues, but you know, if you play in a nope. deep with, with flex positions or, you know, two flex positions, I think Andre Ellington is, is still worth a roster spot. I, I believe this last week he had nine grabs, um, He's kind of filling that David Johnson role, at least in the past game. Um, so definitely in PPR, he's still someone to keep an eye on if he's out there on waivers or um, if you're looking to get something back in a trade. Um, if you you know if you're going to deal Fitzgerald away, maybe maybe bring back Ellington as part of that trade. I like it picking up those <laughs> cheap PPR points. I'm with you there on. Uh, hating PPR Heath, but I play the Amen. game, and, and so I I don't hate the player. I might hate the game. Even with Ellington, I, I'll give I'll give you guys. I mean, when you're getting he caught nine balls last week. I mean, he's getting double digit targets. You gotta that plays even in standard formats, especially if you're grabbing him off of waivers. So yeah, and he's but that's true. Yeah. back in Arizona. I know PPR is trash. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the thing about this podcast is we have a variety of opinions on scoring formats, whether it be IDP or just the good old-fashioned touchdown league. Uh, speaking of running backs who are absolutely baffling us this year, Haji, we got Dolphins and Titans. Oh, man. Yeah, um, you know, this was actually a game that I thought a couple weeks ago could end up being a decent watch. Um, 
and it turned out to be just horrific on the offensive side of the ball. Um, turns out that uh, Jay Cutler trying to retire was probably the smart thing for him to do. Um, he came back for 10 million reasons, I guess. But the uh, fans at one point were actually calling for Matt Moore. So maybe it's time to uh, bring Matt Moore in. Maybe it's time to just ride out Jay Cutler. I don't know. But even on the other side of the ball, uh, Tennessee is not good without Mariota. Um, Matt Castle should not be in the NFL anymore. Um, he, he looked like a very poor man, bad version of Alex Smith before he turned it around. Shots fired. And <laughs> he's just not an NFL quarterback. He should not even be a backup. And I hope Tennessee kind of realizes this and, and cuts him loose. If, if he's not able to throw the ball, he's not opening the run. Miami was able to stack the box. And um, on the other side of the ball, though, Tennessee's defense held him in it. It was uh, basically the difference in this game was a, um, a fumble by Castle that could have been ruled an incompletion. Uh, went about 10 yards downfield. The Dolphins scooped it up. Nobody went after him. And uh, they ended up saying it was a touchdown, saying that his arm wasn't coming forward yet at the time of the the uh, defender hitting him. And that turned out to be the difference in a, a 16 to 10 game with less than 250 pass yards combined between the two teams. And um, even JHI couldn't get anything rolling. Uh, 77 yards on 25 attempts is barely hitting three yards a carry. So something's got to give for both of these teams. And, you know, uh, Dolphins coach Adam Gazy, even after the game said, you know, we're not playing a hard game. This isn't tough. And both of these teams are making it look tough right now. Yeah. I'm with you. I got three takeaways from this one. Jay Ajayi, I feel betrayed. I really hope you turn it around because you're good at football and you're better than this. Devonte Parker injury update. He's fine. I also roster Devonte Parker in a lot of leagues, so he's fine. I promise. <sighs> And then when people start based on you want to be fine, closed injury. If you put good vibes out into the world, <laughs> people's ankles heal faster. I thought I had a note where I, I expect him not to play this week, but maybe that's just me. Well, he might not play this week, but then he's going to come back. Oh, okay. We all expected him to do. What oh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Totally. Totally agree. But I'm with you, Heath. Any takeaways for this one? Um, no, I was actually trying to find a note. Um, who's the, the Dolphins beat writer? Not Armando, the other Armando dude. Sorg oh. Not Armando, it's the dude with the dreads. I can't remember his name. Mm. With the awesome hair. Armando Omar. If you guys don't follow Omar Kelly. Twitter, Armando Salguero. Yeah, Omar Kelly, yep. Omar Kelly. So he, he was talking before the game about I can't pronounce it. I may mispronounce it, but Marquise Gray, yep. the backup tight end for the Dolphins, about how he was one of the like prominent blockers last year during all of Ajayi's 200-yard games and how Miami needs to get him back in the game more. And it, I'm wondering for a, a coach that seems to want to run the ball and has a pretty solid front seven, like if this guy is that much of a blocker, can we get him back in the game? That's my that's my takeaway. Like I would like to see a Jai running the ball. Yeah, I'm trying to. Game. 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I'm trying to find – He, I saw him tweet it out Sunday before the game. I'm like, I had never heard anybody make that connection before. So, But then he kind of elaborated a little bit about, like, he's just a great blocker. Um, and I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he was in on all of the 200-yard games last year. But I can't, I can't find it on Twitter. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. We're gonna let it slide this time, but next time we're gonna. I know, I know. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't just, I should have just sat on it. But if you hear the, if you hear the Dolphins talk about playing this guy some more, I mean, I, I guess based on the beat writer, I'd be a little bit more intrigued with, with Jay, with Jay Ajayi. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Julius Thomas isn't giving you anything anyway. So you nope. Might as well put in that's, that I mean, that's blocker. the. That's the big, massive argument for it. Like, might as well see, might as well see what we have and see if it works. Yeah. I totally agree with the Matt Moore call too. Like, I'd love to see what Matt Moore can do because it cannot be worse than Jay Cutler. Yeah, I mean, sometimes making a change for the sake of making a change is the right play, mm-hmm. and we may be looking at one of those situations in our next game: Chargers at Giants, a battle of zero and four teams. <laughs> who both desperately tried their best to go 0-5 this week. Both of these teams looked really bad. Uh, they had some skill players that looked okay. Melvin Gordon looked like Melvin Gordon. He looked like mm-hmm. a stud. He looked like the guy you drafted in the second round. Odell Beckham Jr. looked like an absolute stud once everybody else except him went down with injury. Another stupid, lame end zone celebration from Odell Beckham. And then he hurts his ankle. He's out for the year. Travesty devastated fantasy fans devastated nfl fans i mean there's only so many of these guys on the planet you want to see them play uh the chargers end up pulling it out i don't have a whole lot of takeaways from this game for fantasy other than what the hell is going on with keenan allen he hasn't looked good for several weeks and i don't see it getting any better uh rivers throws a temper tantrum early in the first quarter because Melvin Gordon doesn't get a first down, and Philip Rivers felt like he should. So we'll see if Philip Rivers gets raked over the coals for being a diva this week in the media. And then uh, I don't. I mean, that's what he does. That doesn't. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, it doesn't bother me with Rivers, and that's just you know, I don't blame it on the day job. I'm a counselor during the day. Like it, personality, is such a big, massive, massive part of everything, and it, it, even like Jay Cutler. We should, that that's a little segue backwards, but his demeanor on the sideline has never bothered me. And he just, he just obviously is more of a melancholy dude. And it, I actually have more respect for somebody that's going to be like, ah, I don't really give a rip about what any people are saying. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like bubbly and happy all the time. So, I mean, Rivers is just a hot headed dude. He's always been that way. So it, he doesn't bother me in the slightest when you get mad. It means he cares about it. That's how I take that. You know, I, I wouldn't want to have somebody there that was just kind of like asleep at the wheel and, you know, oh, we lost again or like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm glad he's getting pissed off. It means he still cares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll give him something to uh, – well, I think it'll give River something to think about on his long chauffeured ride home. So, <laughs> you know, the, the Chargers, they have some issues. They've always had these issues. Um, they finally were able to close out the game, though. And I think that that's something that they can um, move forward with and and hopefully build on. I, the Giants aren't a great team, but a win is a win in the NFL. When anybody can win on any given Sunday, 
you got to take what you get. And the Chargers got this game. Um, Melvin Gordon, I think, looked like an RB1 again. You know, he, whether it was a, a bum knee for the first few weeks or, or I don't know what was going on, but they finally started giving him the, giving him the ball. And um, I think that they're going to realize that that's the key to some victories down the road here if they want to get back into any type of wild card race. Yeah, well, and a true workhorse back this week. Oliver, Oliver was out, so he got he got a few more snaps than I think he would have normally. Yeah, and he and he looked good doing it. 105 yards on the ground, got 58 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. Uh, really, the the big fantasy confirmation that we got this weekend is that the the running backs are where it's at for these two teams now with the receivers on the Giants going down. Uh, Orleans Darkwell looked good running between the tackles. He looked strong, uh, and then he looked bad catching passes out of the backfield. Wayne Gallman looked good catching passes out of the backfield and looked okay running in between the tackles. So uh, there's been injuries in New York and new opportunities created for the running backs, and we still have this incredibly frustrating three-person battle. Uh, Don't forget, oh yeah, Shane Vereen with a beautiful one-handed catch and 15-yard pickup in this game, too. So, speculative ad with Orleans Darkwell or Wayne Gallman if you're desperate, and you still want to start your tight ends against the Giants. Hunter Henry had a good game, and Tony mm-hmm. Gates caught a couple of balls. They were running open, wide open all over the place. So, yeah. so before we before we move on off of this game, um, I wanted to get your thoughts, both of you get your thoughts on uh, if you think Ben McAdoo's on the hot seat yet. At zero and five, I'm a Giants fan. I hope he's on the. I hope he's on the hot seat. Fair enough. If you go zero and five and you haven't done anything lately in the NFL, you're in. The, you're on the hot seat. I mean, if you go zero and five with with that, I mean it. I know they're. I know they're zero and five, but I mean, he has pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, it's still like it's crazy to say. Like I don't think they're a bad team. I. I mean, I get it, but it. There's there are some really nice pieces on both sides, um, mm-hmm. with Odell with Odell Beckham on your team and Janoris shutting down the opposing team's wide receiver one, like yeah, Landon Collins. I, I I feel like we haven't had a running game in about 15 years. So, I mean, since who Tiki and Jacobs was a running game taking the way back machine. Yeah, I mean it like. I mean, I'll, I'll be like, I became, I became an NFL fan in, uh, in college, football, but then I had a friend expose me to fantasy football and I didn't have a team, but I, I went to school at Ole Miss. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll just pick the giants because that's where Eli went. And that mm-hmm. was my, that was my link. So that was my like kind of chosen fandom. And then, uh, I moved back home. So I'm back in, I'm back in North Carolina. So, um, and we, we didn't have a team always when I grew up in South Carolina. So the Panthers were not a thing because they didn't exist. So so now I kind of have two teams that I root for. And it, the Giants are really like they're trying to make me give it up totally. So, I mean, I had high hopes like everybody else this year. But I think he's got to be he's got to be on the hot seat. No doubt. It's like you'd want to be you want to be losing games, but you want to still be losing games with the offense clicking. And see it like without Odell Beckham, this offense is completely. So I don't, I don't have high. 
I think well below. Ended. Yeah. Yeah, they're so racing I, for that number one overall pick, putting up some stiff competition against them Cleveland Browns right now. So it's going to be, a, I think, a rough year with Eli and not having anybody to throw to except for Evan Ingram. But speaking of segues, as no one mentioned, Heath, Carolina fan, you've got Carolina Detroit. Tell us what happened in that one or what stood out to you. What stands out in Carolina is that we've had an entire, what seems like an entire season. I know it's only five games, but an entire season of Cam Newton and he's washed up and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's very apparent that Cam is fine. He is just fine. Um, that That's not as big of a surprise to me as uh, Devin Funches. Like Devin Funches to me is the story out of Carolina right now, unless you pay a second or third round pick for Christian McCaffrey, in which case your story is you overpaid for Christian McCaffrey. But um, other than uh, other than run CMC and his touch count going down every week, I think the story has to be has to be Devin Punches, who is completely making the most out of his opportunities with with Greg Olson on the shelf. So where I'm yeah, at, I, and I. It was nice to see uh, McCaffrey. It was nice to see McCaffrey finally get in the end zone this week, get a red zone look and and uh, hit pay dirt. So still, and it you know, and it absolutely. But what are we looking at? We're looking at three carries and five receptions. So I mean, yeah. I, I remember, I can remember. I mean, it's probably like the last maybe two weeks of like the height of fantasy football draft season. And you just saw the price on McCaffrey just skyrocket during the preseason. And it like, I was not touching it. And it, I was on the other side, like give me Jonathan Stewart, which also has not really come to fruition, but uh, I still, I still felt like Stewart would, would maintain like low end running back three sort of value, um, especially with like, let's, let's take all this pressure away from cam. Neither one of those things have come to fruition. So I know you. I know you stepped away for just a tad, Clark. My my deal is uh, bunches of funches right now. Don't peel back the curtain. All right. Don't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I won't peel it back anymore. Tell me, uh, I'm I'm a believer. Are you a believer? So I'm wondering who is going to make it out of this backfield. So I'm with you. We've watched McCaffrey kind of rise during draft season and understandably so you watch him play at Stanford. I mean, yeah, he's a little quick guy, but he didn't have any trouble sticking his nose in there and running up the middle, something that you didn't expect from him in the NFL, but you really just need to keep defenses honest when you're that kind of back. And it has been disappointing to see him so far, but in general, the Panthers have taken a while to get started this year. So I'm wondering, do we think Jonathan Stewart or Christian McCaffrey are going to come on as the year goes on, or should we just expect what we've seen so far to continue? I think, I mean, like Stewart had 18 carries. I mean, I think he's still clearly the the banger and I don't, I don't know why you would want to go away from that. If you just drafted McCaffrey, like why would you want to give him 18 touches or 20 touches between the tackles? Like let, let Jonathan Stewart do that. Um, I mean, it, if I'm looking at it from a, a coach's a coach's perspective, they're four and one. Like you're you're gonna try to 
obviously have everybody healthy and you're, you're trying to obviously win the game. Like there's no, there's no reason when you have two guys that are both good at the same position and, and people forget this about Jonathan Stewart, his, his measurables are, were fantastic. Like if you compare his draft profile to McCaffrey's, it's basically the same except Stewart outweighs him by like 35 pounds. So I don't, I just don't see why there's no reason to give McCaffrey those goal line touches. Yeah, I don't see. I mean, to steer it back to my favorite team, which I'm always, you know, happy to do. I think this is the same thing that we're seeing with Dante Foreman down in Houston this year, taking away some of those tough inside runs from Lamar Miller. I think mm-hmm. Lamar Miller's always been a little better being a receiver out of the backfield, always been a little better at those outside zone runs. And when you have a guy like Foreman who can just pound it in the middle, why run the little guy up the middle? I mean, I know Lamar Miller's not little. and No reason. Little, little comparatively, though. Right. But comparatively. Why run your sports car with a trailer on it when you can run your truck with a trailer on it like it's designed to do it? Give the dude in space. Yeah, all kinds of bad analogies be... available here on the RB1 podcast. Well, the great analogy is like McCaffrey. You want him in your PPR leagues. And then I probably... It's probably a stretch to say, give me Stewart in standard over McCaffrey, but it can't be that much of one if he's getting 18 carries a week. So I know he didn't do much with it this week, but I still think it's people call me nuts. Like, I love Jonathan Stewart. I can't help it. It's like my, my Carolina fandom. So standard league, give me Jonathan Stewart. Bam. You guys have McCaffrey. He's good at football. He's been around for a really long time. Our next game also features a running back that's also very good at football that's been around for a little while. We've got the Bengals against the Bills. Haji, what happened here? Well, I think uh, when the season started, these were the Bengals and these were the Bills that we all kind of expected. Um, The Bills came back to life a little bit. And um, since uh, firing their offensive coordinator and um, starting the – Bill Lazor era in Cincinnati, they uh, just continue to get A.J. Green the ball, and the Bengals are who, mainly who we thought they were or who they should have been. Um, this was a uh, sloppy game, mainly because of the rain. Uh, the weather had a big effect on this one, but uh, it, it didn't stop A.J. Green from putting up 189 yards on just seven catches. Um, at times, Dalton was starting to force the ball to A.J. Green. Um, but I think he knew, and I think the Bengals knew, that that was their their key to victory. Um, as for the Bills, they, they did have chances to win. Um, they had a first and goal down on the Cincinnati 12, I believe, and um, a three and out made himself for a field goal rather than taking the lead, and, and from there it was kind of over. Um, uh, some big news out of this game is uh, the loss of Charles Clay to the Bills. Um, sounds like he'll be out for at least a couple of weeks. Um, a rough injury there as they're already missing some offensive weapons. Uh, teams will probably continue to stack the box, uh, making it tough on uh, LaShawn McCoy to do much of anything as he only had 63 yards on 19 carries in this game. Um the waiver wire pickup in some deeper leagues 
at tight end if you're looking for buy help or um, you know maybe you had Olsen and and Charles Clay uh, the pickup for Buffalo will be Nick O'Leary who came in and and had some some decent grabs uh, I believe he he had five grabs and and backup duty for 54 yards uh, you may remember he was uh, Jameis Winston's favorite target at Florida State during their national championship run um, and I also believe he is the grandson of Jack Nicholas, the famous golfer. So a little trivia there for you um, to use in your, your spare time or how you see fit. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think the Bengals have figured things out and I think the, uh, the bills are going to kind of be back on their, their way back down to uh, the 500 team that we thought they were. Love it. We're going to go rapid fire here to close out a few of the remaining games since we've been so boisterous in our descriptions of what has gone on so far. So we'll move right along to the next one and this will be quick Seahawks at Rams. Turns out the Rams are probably pretty good. Sean McVay is putting his players in a position to do well and they're doing well. Uh, the Seahawks did enough to win here because they're a better team and they've been there longer. Uh, all of the running backs in Seattle looked meh shrugging my shoulders uh mckissick was in for third down they targeted him him deep several times and he didn't come down with the ball but he was in the game plan thomas rawls didn't look especially great. eddie lacy didn't look especially great todd Gurley looked really good jared Goff looked like he's gonna be a functional nfl quarterback uh that's about it 16 to 10 don't bother watching this one guys just not a really actually that's not true Watch the first five minutes of the game, and then watch the last five minutes. You can just skip through the last, uh, through the rest of there. Any other quick takeaway, boys, before we move to uh, Jets and Cleveland? Uh, I got my, I got my Jimmy Graham touchdown that I predicted, so I'm good with it. Perfect. The only uh, takeaway I had was a little uh, DFS bad luck with uh, Todd Gurley fumbling out of the end zone at the one and uh, having the ball slapped away. That's a, a big change from the touchdown to a fumble. Yeah, and that, that killed the Rams. So early in the first quarter, the Rams get the ball. They're marching down the field. They're throwing. They're running. Everything is working. Uh, Todd Gurley takes a not a sweep, but a outside play to the left. He's either going to get into the end zone or be out at the one. He stretches the ball out with his right hand, exposing it to the defense, who knocks it out of his hand, fumble out of the end zone turnover seattle gets the ball on the 20 uh plays like that kill you uh hopefully they will they will learn from that and move on uh next up heath we have the new york jets and the cleveland what's the the cleveland browns are they still in the nfl uh yeah yeah something like that hey they only lost by three so i mean there's a <laughs> little bit of respectability there uh, I guess the the news, like looking forward, is who's going to be the Browns' quarterback next week. So we're going to have to decide if uh, if we're going to roll out Kevin Hogan against the uh, the Texans, I believe. And I think the answer is yes. You're going to roll out Kevin Hogan, especially in BFS. Uh, for this game, my uh, my takeaway is to start all the tight ends against the Cleveland Browns, always and forever. Uh, it will take a little slight hit next week if Jamie Collins is back from a concussion. I think he's been out like three weeks now. So, but as a, as a cover linebacker, he's, 
he's going to dent the outlook a little bit, but I'm still, I'm still starting every tight end against, against the Browns for forever. So um, that's my, and it's my tight end lens from, from being here at faketeams.com. See, see, (laughs) but uh, I should have just kept talking instead of pausing. I killed it anyway. So yeah. Uh, all your tight ends against the Browns, always and forever. That's my takeaway. I will. Uh, your game with uh, Baltimore and Oakland. Any last Jets and Cleveland's thoughts? Um, the only thing not really fantasy related, unless you play in an IDP. But um, Miles Garrett with his first NFL start and uh, got a sack. Um, looked good. You know, hopefully he's a bright future for the Browns as a number one overall pick because you know they failed on a lot of those in the past. So. Hopefully this one pans out for him. You figure one out of three has to hit, right? That's right. So uh, the last game um, that I wanted to touch on, the uh, Ravens and Raiders, and this game lost a little bit of its luster without uh, David Carr uh, due to a fracture in his back. Uh, He tried real hard to play, um, but Sunday morning, um, early Sunday afternoon, it was finally announced that he would be inactive and, uh, EJ Manuel got the start and this one was over pretty quick. Um, Baltimore, you know, who knew they had a deep ball. They finally figured out how to throw one. Uh, Flacco made some nice tosses. Uh, Mike Wallace with 133 yards on just three catches and they weren't yards after catch. They, these were all in the air yards. Um, probably 130 out of 133 were, were in the air, although he may have had one down the sideline, so I may be wrong on that, but these were all deep throws. Um, they Going into this game, Baltimore had scored zero points in the first half in their first four games, and they scored on every drive they had against the Raiders in this one in the first half. Um, so I think that's a big turnaround for the team, uh, something that they can build off of, and you know maybe we'll end up seeing Baltimore in a wild card race down the stretch rather than a team like Oakland. Bold Heath, anything you want to add to this one? Nah, I mean, not, not particularly Baltimore, not a team that I'm always looking through the lens of, of fantasy and, and DFS. I mean, they're, they're just not a very exciting team for, for either of those options right now. Some of that is uh, Jeremy Macklin kind of being banged up the last couple of weeks be a little bit more excited about him if hopefully he can get a little bit more healthy. Uh, he's another guy that wound up on a, on my Scott Fishbowl roster. Uh, I haven't really played him a whole lot. Uh, it's just not a very, not a very, they got the three, three-way running back deal going on there too. So it's just a team that I kind of stay away from for, for fake purposes. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of mouths to feed in Baltimore and not a lot of stats to go around. Yeah, I think we're all. The yeah, best, I'd love it. The best little running back in football to come back, Danny Woodhead. Uh, oh man! For you, Danny. I love you, Danny. I I cut him for Buck Allen, ASAP. Um, I just I hate that. Uh, well, I mean, uh, it, again, it. I'm talking Scott Fishbowl again. I needed. Uh, I went crazy at running back. I didn't. I didn't put a lot into it. Um, I had to have another body. Um. I just hate that there's not like a young tight end in Baltimore. No, no offense to any of the Max Williams truthers, but he's never been on the field. I mean, it's, they've, they've shown a propensity to want to throw to the tight end 
and Wallace doesn't seem to be giving them much at all outside of this week. So yeah. I just I hate that there's not a not a tight end that they can force feed there. I love Ben Watson, but dude is like a couple years older than me, so. Yeah. Well, I think we can all appreciate a nice young tight end. And speaking of nice young tight ends, <laughs> our last game of the night is going to be the Kansas City Chefs against the Houston Texans. Uh, Travis Kelsey left this game with injury. I don't have an update because I don't have him and I don't care. And we're running fast and loose here with the last game of the night on the RB1 podcast. Uh, what I took away from this game is that the, the Chiefs are good. The Chiefs are really good. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. They're better than the Texans. Uh, the Texans lost a couple of key pieces on offense. One of them named J.J. Watt. You've probably heard of him. He's one of the best linemen in the NFL. He's not going to play again this year, so two years in a row for the Texans. Not going to uh, get to enjoy watching him play. We lost uh, Whitney Merciless as well. Fantastic linebacker, great pass rusher, kind of a just a player that will scare the other offense into doing stupid things. The Chiefs got out to a lead and the Texans couldn't do enough to come back. Deshaun Watson still looked good threw the ball deep. Uh, last year, Texans fans got to watch Brock Osweiler throw the ball four yards on every third down and nine all year. And we're not seeing that with Deshaun Watson. So it's nice to see him play. Well, you know, Deandre Hopkins looked great. Will Fuller looked great kind of in garbage time. So you want to reserve judgment there. Uh, all the fantasy hits hit, in this game, great win for the Chiefs, tough loss for the Texans. Fellows, any other takeaways from this one? Uh, the only thing I had that, that I noticed is the Chiefs, uh, they seem to take their foot off the gas a little too early every week. And I don't know if that's a product of Andy Reid at the helm. I know he struggles with time management, but um, I, I think he just has to keep pushing it down. They, There was a point in the third quarter where um, Houston really snuck back into it before Kansas City finally put them away before all the garbage time points. And um, I think that that's something that may end up hurting them if they continue to let it happen. Yeah, for the record, I own Travis Kelsey everywhere. Um, he went into concussion protocol and then came back in the game, and then I went to bed. So unless he had something later in the game, I think Kelsey's fine. Um, I will say about this game, Fantasy football's top two quarterbacks in this game, Alex Smith, number one, number one overall fantasy quarterback, Deshaun Watson, number two fantasy football quarterback right now. So here's the question. I put it to you guys in the chat. How high do you rank Deshaun Watson rest of the season among quarterbacks? I wrote down my list. I, even, I can even tell you where I have Carson Wentz. I think you put him ahead of, you know, Rivers, Eli, Carson, that crowd, obviously. I, I still think you put him behind Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I, I don't know, top six? It's just going to be a weekly matchup thing. I don't know. I don't do ranks. I just come on the podcast and... Oh, man. We got to get you... You guys will have to wait and pay attention and see where I have him ranked on the week six quarterback rankings this week. At com. Yeah, when's that coming out? Uh, that will be out on Wednesday. All right, folks. So probably tomorrow when you're listening to this or Wednesday, check out faketeams.com to see where we rank.
Deshaun Watson? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you where I have him rest of the season. I know Hyde just talking about this week. I think I've got him top. I got him fifth. So I'll go, I'll go the big three in uh, A-Rod, Brady, and Breeze. And then I've got Dak. Give me Dak, quarterback four. And then I'll have Deshaun right behind him. Is Russell up next for you? Then you got to start looking into health. I mean, I got to see like how healthy is Mariota. When's he coming back? Hopefully sure. this week. Um, that guy's ceiling is still like in the stratosphere for mm-hmm. me. So he could he's a guy that could make up ground in a hurry. Um, I don't know. I mean, forgetting about Matt Ryan too. I mean, some of that again. I know I mentioned it earlier is is personality. Like, do you want you want kind of the safe weekly floor, or do you want the guy that Obviously, he's a rookie quarterback, and a rookie quarterback can have a terrible week at any time. But, I mean, his ceiling is nuts. So, if I'm if I'm playing fantasy football right now, I think I'd rather have Deshaun. After after right, that, there you go. Five, heard I, I'd probably go Matt Ryan, number six. Heard it here first. Top five, Deshaun Watson, rest of the season. That's not even aggressive, though. That's the deal. Like, I've seen uh, – I know Brad Evans has him uh, – I think, well, I think he has him fourth. I think he said the big three and then Deshaun, to which I immediately was like, nah, I got I to gotta have Dak. Can't, can't be leaving Dak off. And who, who knows what Breeze? I was going to say mm-hmm. something in Lamont's about Matt Ryan, but then I checked, and it looks like in standard ESPN scoring leagues and fantasy points per game, keep in mind Sam Bradford is – Still number one here. Matt Ryan, quarterback number 21. That sounds about right. Matt Ryan is okay. He's a very good, real NFL quarterback. Last year was the absolute anomaly and outlier. If you're still holding on to Matt Ryan, cut bait. Or trade him to somebody who thinks that he's good. because he's Or play matchups. The Falcons on grass is rough. Play Matt Ryan at home. Sit him on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's too early, I think, right now. I mean, and I know we just use like, hey, Deshaun's the top two fantasy quarterback. I'm not I'm not bumping Matt Ryan out of the out of the top ten. Not not right now. I mean, Julio hasn't scored a touchdown yet. So some of that I mean, some of that's gonna come in bunches. And I get it. Last year his touchdown rate was nuts. He's not gonna repeat that. Um I just he's he's still like top twelve for me easy. I just like when you're looking at him compared to like some of the unknown with some of the injury stuff going on. I just I like the kind of safe feeling he can give you if that's what you're that's what you're looking for. It's just a personality thing. I think Matt Ryan is the Volvo of starting starting quarterbacks in the <laughs> NFL. Nice and safe. It's the starting quarterback you buy for your daughter, but you know it's not the starting quarterback she wants. All right, so Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan? Carson Wentz. Wentz. I like it. I like it. I'll, I'll say yes to that. Yeah, I mean, if I'm playing fantasy, I mean, yeah, Carson Wentz. If I'm building an NFL team, I'll still do Matt Ryan, but this ain't the real NFL RB1 podcast. It's fantasy. Totally. Nah, we, we want numbers. Yeah, I'll take Carson. All right, boys. Good job tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to wrap it up here on the RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks to Haji. You can follow him on Twitter at Blacks08. And thanks to Heath. You can follow him at HeathCaps on Twitter. I am Clark at NFL Clark. 
gentlemen, did I get your Twitter handles right? Did I pronounce your names right? Everything good on that front? Perfect. Nailed it. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. It's been fun talking with you. Any questions, any start, sit, anything like that, comments, uh, hit us up on the Twitter. Rate us on Apple, five stars. Review us, download us, subscribe us, tell all of your friends. Thanks Send for email to Pete. There you go. Send mean Boston things to at Pete McRogers. Thanks, everyone, and have a good evening.